0: Second Chronicles, chapter 14. And oh. the book of Daniel talks about the last times as well as the book of Revelation. And one thing it makes clear, it says, the enemy of our soul, the devil, Satan makes war against the saints and the saints must fight him by using the shield of faith which quenches all the fiery darts of the evil one and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and to put on all the arm, armor of God 2nd Chronicles 14 1 2nd Chronicles chapter 14, verse 1. So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son ruled in his place, and in his days the land was quiet for ten years. And he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and broke down the sacred pillars, and cut down the wooden images. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers, and to observe the law and the commandment. And he removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah. And the kingdom was quiet under him. And he fortified cities in Judah. For the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make walls around them, and towers, gates, and bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Ten years of quiet and peace. And they sought the Lord, and they prepared. And it was a good time. And it continues on in verse 8, And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. And they were all mighty men of valor. If you add that up, it's 580,000 soldiers. Half a million. A little over half a million. Verse 9, And Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Marisha. That's like double the size of Ace's army. A million-man army against 580,000. In verse 11, in verse 10, verse 10, So Asa went out against him, and he set the, tr- battle, the troops in battle array in the valley of Zarephath and Marisha. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God, said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord your God, do not let man prevail against you. So Asa had had vision. He knew that he was outnumbered. He knew this looked like a hopeless situation through natural eyes. But there are certain things that he says here. He says, it's nothing for you to help. No matter what this looks like, if we have a lot or if we have a few, we have half the men they have. Doesn't matter. He, he, he's this is a man speaking words of faith. And he says He says, It's nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you. Faith, we enter God's rest through faith. And he, you can see this man had rest because he was trusting the Lord in this very serious and dangerous situation that he was faced with. He was right about getting ready. They're setting up the battle, and he sees the other army there. That's an awful big army. It looks looks awful big. And they have chariots there they're armed for war, and it looks pretty scary. And he calls out to the Lord, and he speaks words of faith as he's calling out to the Lord. And says, O Lord, You are God. He says, we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. Lord, you are God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover. For they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away very much spoil. And they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil. They also attacked the livestock enclosures, carried off sheep, camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. (coughs) You know, after this you never hear of any powerful armies of Ethiopia, again for the, the rest of history to this time. Ethiopia said was so, was broken so bad they never recovered. Like it says here. They could not recover. And it says the, the fear of the Lord came upon them. The fear of the Lord was upon his people. We read about that in the book of Genesis, when a couple of Jacob's sons go out and kill a guy who was the leader of a city. He killed him and his son. He went out and killed all the men in the city. And as they left, they said nobody, nobody took revenge on Jacob. It says because the dread of the Lord came upon them. It was They were afraid of Jacob and his sons because they knew that God was with them somehow. God had communicated that the people were afraid to, to take revenge on Jacob. We go to the next chapter, chapter 15. And Azariah the prophet prophesies to the people of Israel. At the end of it, he says in verse 7. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim. And the Lord, and the, and the, and he restored the altar of the Lord that was before the vestibule of the Lord. And he, then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those who dwelt with them, from Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon. For they came over to him in great numbers from Israel, when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. There, at this time there was two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel, which had been completely corrupted, and then there was a kingdom of Judah and Benjamin, with the tribe of Benjamin with them. And it says that many who were in the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, came down to the kingdom of Judah for one simple reason. It says, they came in great numbers from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. The people came to the Judah because they wanted to be where the Lord was at work. And they were encouraged by that. In verse... And verse 12, then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And then we go into verse 15, verse 14, I'm sorry. And they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and soul and sought Him with all their soul. And He has fought, and He is found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. This is a message about seeking the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. And it's written right in here. And it shows the benefits of it, and the power behind it. Because it opens our eyes to things that our eyes may be closed to. And we as Christians, we know... We now understand God's love and commitment towards us. The Apostle John said, We have known and come to believe the love that God has for us. They were convinced, they saw it with their own eyes. They saw the Son of God lay down his life for them and for us, they saw the power of God at work. They saw His love. And they were convinced of it. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord. We who are in Christ, when we come to Christ, we are entering into a covenant. Not swearing oaths, like in the old covenant. This is a new covenant. The book of Jeremiah says, the days are coming that I will bring forth a new covenant. And he says, it will not be like the covenant that I gave to Moses and your fathers on Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. It's a new covenant. But one thing that remains is we're called to make a covenant with the Lord. The old covenant was made through the blood of goats and lambs and sheep, ox, the new covenant. The covenant is like a contract, an agreement. The new covenant is made with the Son of God. The blood of the Son of God. The blood of Jesus. And so through faith in Christ, we enter that new covenant, that, uh, that, that contract, that agreement. But yet we may not understand all the details of that agreement. And what God has committed to us. What He has for us they entered into that covenant to seek God, to understand God as we read in this story here, with all their heart and with all their soul. It's the first commandment, Jesus, the greatest commandment Jesus said, to love God with all your soul and all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And so they sought the Lord with all their heart and soul. And they rejoiced, and they sought with all their soul and all their heart. And he was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. And this is the truth of God's word: that when we seek the Lord and enter into that place with Him, that we find rest all around in our soul, not outside our <laughs> ourselves, but in our in our soul. And that's what really matters, doesn't it? That in the midst of the storms we can have peace? Because the storm comes to every man's house. Jesus told that when he told about the story of the wise man who built his house on the rock. He said, The storms come, that's light. And they're going to beat against that house. And the house is going to stand. Why? There's peace in that house. It's found that that soul is founded on the rock. He heard the word of the Lord and he, he followed it. And the foolish man heard the word of the Lord and didn't take heed. The storms came, the tr- life came and beat that house to pulp, and beat it to the ground because it was a false foundation on sand. There was no support for that foundation the foundation was was no good and the house was beat down to the ground. The Bible says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Today is the day to seek the Lord, and every day. And so we see here that they sought the Lord and the Lord gave them peace. In verse 16, He also removed Mecca the mother of Asa the king, in some versions say grandmother, and uh, I believe it is grandmother because in the book of Kings, his father's mother's name is Macca, so I believe it is grandmother. So the grandmother of Asa the king he put her took her away from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Astaroth. And Asa cut down her obscene image and crushed and burned it by the brook Kidron. So, As he sought the Lord, he took courage and acted upon the things that he needed to act upon do what needed to be done. Men of God sought the Lord. God gave him peace in his heart. They sought the Lord. God gave them peace in their kingdom. And it was good. verse 19, And there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. So for 35 years, there was only one battle. It was a major battle with the Ethiopians, which he read of, 10 years in. And then 25 years after that, no more war. For 35 years. And so that was a great thing, but... Now we pick on pick up on Asa 36 years later. Chapter 16 and verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha king of Israel came up against Judah and built Ramah that he might let none go in or out to Asa king of Judah. We read earlier that people came over from Israel to come into Judah. And so the king of Israel was scared because People were leaving his country to go to Judah, a different kingdom. He, he was losing his kingdom. People were going leaving his kingdom. So he, he put a blockade up so they couldn't go in there anymore. <clears throat> Verse 2. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and sent to Benadad, king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying... Let there be a treaty between you and me as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you silver and gold. (coughs) Come break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. He's a different guy. King uh, King, King Ace is a different guy now. This isn't the same guy that went out against an army twice his size and put his trust in the Lord and defeated him. He's a different guy now. He's somewhere along the line in all of his peace and prosperity, maybe he got spiritually lazy and stopped seeking the Lord. It looks that way, doesn't it? All of a sudden, he calls on one of the enemies of Israel and Judah, the king of Syria. He sends him silver and gold and says, break your covenant with Israel and go attack them. You know, he went to the enemy to seek help from another enemy. His faith was no longer in the power of God. His faith was now in silver and gold to buy favor from his enemy to attack another enemy. He no longer was showing faith in God. Verse 4, So, Benedad... Heated King Asa sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel and they attacked Ajahn, Dan, Abel, Nahum, and all the storage cities of Naphtali now it happened when Basher heard it he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work <coughs> seemed to work right King Asa took all the Judah and they carried away the stones and timbers of Ramah which Bash had used for building And with them he built Geba and Mitzpah. But at that time Hanani, the seer, or the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Luban not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord... He delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The heart that is trusting him. To this man I will look to, it says in the the word, to him who is a humble and contrite heart and who trembles at my word. Trusting God is part of the loyalty in our heart. Putting our trust in Him, and not other things. So Asa and all his men, they were rejoicing. They got all this free stuff to build cities. And they built two cities with it. And Then the Lord sends a prophet and says, you did something really foolish here. Oh. You, you put your trust in the king of Syria, your enemy. And in doing that, God was going to deliver you from that enemy. He was going to destroy that enemy. Instead, he says, that enemy has escaped your hand. Because you made a covenant with them. You swore to the Lord them. Lord, Lord's not going to do anything against them now. He says, and furthermore, he says, he says they're going to escape. And he says, and also, he says you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you're going to have war. The end of verse 8. 36 years, one more, He says for the rest of your life, you're going to have wars. Which is only... Five more years. But the rest of his life was spent with his kingdom being at war. Why? Because he didn't trust God. In verse 10, And Asa was very angry with the prophet and put him in prison. For he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at this time. So now we see, and it's exposed, that Asa's is not a spiritual man anymore. He's become very carnally minded. He's not trusting the Lord anymore. And he's becoming, he's becoming a bad guy. He's becoming a mean guy. Puts the prophet who told him the truth in jail. That's what the evil kings in Israel and Judah did. Verse 12. And in the 39th year of his reign, three years later, Asa became diseased in his feet. And his illness was very severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the doctors. So Asa rested with his fathers, and he died in the 41st year of his reign. Two years later, after the disease in his feet, he died. He said, well, he is sick. Why did he only go to the doctors? Why didn't he pray? Why didn't he seek God anymore? I don't know. His heart turned away from the Lord. He stopped seeking the Lord. It says, even when he was sick, you know, first he had the problem with the king of Israel. He didn't seek the Lord. Now his body is stricken with his disease. He's not seeking the Lord anymore. It's a different man. He's lost his way. And it says in chapter 17 that Jehoshaphat, his son, took, took his place. in verse 3 now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of David his father he did not seek Baal but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandment and not according to the acts of Israel therefore the Lord established a kingdom in his hand and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat And he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. And you see the connection between the men of God who feared the Lord and sought the Lord. That while they were seeking the Lord, what their life was like. Not that they didn't have any tribulation, not that they never had any wars, but you see the power and the peace and the help that God had and gave to them during these times. And you see his son understood and he was seeking the Lord. And it says he tore down the high places and wooden images. verse 9, So they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. So they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. There it is. The dread of the Lord were upon the nations around them again. And people who are in Christ, we who are the church, have to understand that God puts a hedge of, of protection around us. Now, does that mean nothing gets through? No, he allows certain things to get through like he did with Asa. Like he does with all the David, like all the, all the men, have, men and women of God. Jesus said, in this world we're going to have trouble. He's going to allow certain things to come through. But it says in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For the elect of God, for the people of God, even the things that we look at and say, this is bad. God says, yeah, it is, but it's good. It's all going to work together for good. It's all in the making of who I want you to be. I'm going to work it out for your good. For you and for your family. You see. Just have to wait and seek the Lord. You'll see. And even when Jehoshaphat was rebuked for for joining up with King Ahab to fight against Syria, in chapter 19, he says in verse 3, Mm 19.3 Nevertheless, good things are found in you and that you have removed the wooden images from the land and you have prepared your heart to seek the Lord. What do you mean you prepared your heart to seek the Lord? How do I prepare my heart to seek the Lord? You know, a study of the Old Testament and the New tells you one thing. You know, the people put away their idols. They repented of their sins. They drew close to God and God drew close to them, like it says in the book of James. Now the unbeliever looks at this and says, you know, I can't do all that stuff. I can't repent of all this stuff I'm doing wrong. I I don't feel like I don't want to. That's what we call putting the cart in front of the horse. The first thing we must do, Jesus says, is come to Him. And we must become changed on the inside. We must become a new creation in Christ. And as Peter says, God puts His nature in us. The divine nature. The nature... That desires to follow God. Because before we have that nature, we want to do what our own nature wants us to do, our sinful nature. We want to follow our sins. We want to do what we want to do. We don't want to do what God wants us to do because we don't have the nature of God. We need the nature of God. We need to be born again. And then we are empowered to live for Christ. We are empowered. To do what He calls us to do. And and to accept. And to have the power to forgive. Have the power to love. Even those who don't love us. Who aren't good to us. Who are nasty to us. We're given power. So first we must come to the Lord. And be empowered. Be born again. And if we're born again... If the Spirit of God is in us, we read last week, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of God empowers us to live as Christ lived. That's what we read in 1 John. Those who say they know Him should walk as He walked. How does that happen, to walk, to live a life like Jesus lived? The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Wow. Really? Yeah. So, how do I tap into this? How does, how does all this happen? If all this stuff is inside of me, why don't I see it? We read in the New Testament, it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because God is at work in you to do and to will of His good pleasure. God has put it in us, and He's at work in us. And He says, work out what He's put into you. Live it out. It takes faith to do that. We must believe. And you saw Asa, man of God, he believed God. And As you go through the Old Testament, we read all these Bible stories. And you see two different people in the in the, in the Old Testament. Those who believed God, and those who didn't. The whole nation of Israel that came out of Egypt. They perished in the wilderness. Except for two guys. They're 20 years and older. Joshua and Caleb. A whole generation perished in the wilderness. Except for two men. Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they understood God. They knew God. And they understood Him. But for the rest of them, God said, they don't know my ways. They don't know me in order to know somebody, you have to get to know them. That's why it says draw close to God. Seek the Lord. Get to know who He is. Get to know Him in His Word. Get to know Him in prayer. Get to know Him in worship. Get to know Him as you draw close to Him. To know the Lord. To know who He really is. Because I tell you, if you listen to people in the world, there's people in the world who don't believe in God, and there's people in the world who believe in God, and they don't know who He really is. The people of the world, and either they follow a, a false religion that's not about God, or they don't. They think that God. Some people have been perverted by God, by de, by the devil. I'm sorry. They've been perverted by the devil to think God's a bad guy. He's a bad God. That's what they think. And I've heard that come out of people's mouths. Maybe you have too. Maybe it's come out of your mouth at one time. They say negative things about God. Why? They don't know who God is. And you hear Satan working through the Antichrist in the book of Revelation. It says he speaks evil things against the Most High God. It also says that about him in the book of Daniel. He speaks evil things against the the King of Heaven and the Lord of Lords. That shows Satan's influence. But we are in Christ. God has given us through His Spirit to understand Him, to understand His Word. To know Him. It says that Jehoshaphat prepared his heart to seek the Lord. But it says of His subjects in the kingdom, in chapter 20 and verse 33, he says, Yet the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. It's a decision for us to make. Am I going to seek the Lord? Am I going to direct my heart to seek the God of our fathers? To seek the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I going to take that time to draw close to Him so I can get to know Him? So I don't know God from afar? I know Him closely and real. Not in confusion. Not in doubt. Mind not perverted about God's will and God's way. Solomon son, king who became king after Solomon died, his name was King Rehoboam. It says, Rehoboam did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. That's why he did evil, it says. Because. Because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord, like it says about Joseph. And so there's a very clear path here. Those who seek the Lord, they prepare their hearts to seek the Lord. he goes, ah, I'm going to seek the Lord today, but they don't prepare their hearts. They prepare our hearts. The Bible says to lay aside all filthiness. Lay aside all wickedness and all corruption. Lay aside all evil. Repent of our sins. Repent of our immorality. Our immodesty. Our ungodliness. Repent of all the things that God says are wrong. And that doesn't mean just on the outside. When it says we prepare our heart to seek the Lord, our heart is on the inside of us. Prepare our hearts. Jesus says the inside must be clean first, and when it is, behold, all things become clean to us. The inside must be clean first. We can be moral and religious on the outside, so we look good in front of everybody else. But the Bible says, "God, a man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. God is interested in the heart. And that's what must be prepared. Prepare our heart. Seek the Lord in fasting and in prayer. Seek the Lord as we worship Him and call upon His name. Seek the Lord in His Word and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. It'll happen. And you see... The difference about those who do and those who don't know. It's real. And it's even for today. So from here, we go to Ephesians chapter 1. begin in verse 13. Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, uh, no, verse 12. I'm sorry, I was right, 13, 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It was the guarantee or the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase price Purchase possession, to the praise of his glory. He is writing to the church, those who are born again here in the church of Ephesus. This is who he's writing to. He makes it very clear. He says, you, having believed, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Is there any doubt he's writing to believers here? No, of course not. But listen to what he says to those who have been born again here. Listen carefully to what Paul says. Therefore I also, verse 15, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. He says, he says, when I heard of your faith and your love in the saints, so I'm thankful for that. He says, I'm praying for you too. They to have the love of Jesus being exhibited. And he's thankful for that. He says, you have faith and I'm thankful for that. Your faith in the Lord Jesus. And I'm thankful for that, but I'm praying for you for something else, for something more. Of spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That things will be revealed, wisdom and and things be revealed to them in the knowledge of God. There is more for this church. He says in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, where the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Just these things be open, our, 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 our eyes of understanding being open to these things. And the third thing he prays that we be enlightened to is verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His mighty power? That we would understand this. Because it's clear that Paul saw they needed more. They needed to grow up in their understanding of the Lord. All this stuff he's talking about here, that the eyes of our understanding... In wisdom and knowledge of God about all these things. The great exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. You know, a lot of us in Christendom don't understand that. We're striving to understand this. That's why Paul was praying. Because he saw how good this church was doing. But he said, may God open up your understanding for more that you may be everything that God wants you to be and receive from God all that He has for you and all He wants you to be and all that He wants to do for you. Jesus said, Ask that you may receive that your joy may be full. (coughs) Ask that you may receive that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But sometimes we're a little intimidated. Sometimes it looks a little too big of a mountain for us. Sometimes it seems like something too big. That's why Paul says. You've got to have your understanding open. The greatness of His power to those who believe. And it's according to the working of God's mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, seated Him on the right hand in heavenly places. The same power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Now, what we're talking here about is not Pentecostalism, of course. What we're talking about is hope in God for life, for challenges, for hope and help in our time of need. To change us, to grow us, to walk in holiness, to be what God wants us to be, to have hope for our problems and our challenges that we're faced with today and every day, to have our understanding open that the power of God is available to us who seek Him and who believe in Him. We have to have our eyes under the eyes of understanding opened to understand his greatness of his power if we would believe. The greatness of his power to those who believe. If we don't believe in God's help, that short circuits the power that's available to us through the Lord. Because we've made it it's made clear. That God responds to faith. Jesus went into His hometown and says they were offended at Him. And it says He couldn't do many works there. He couldn't do many mighty works there. And He was astonished at their unbelief. And it says in one one of the accounts, it says He couldn't do many good works there, wonderful works there, because of their unbelief. Unbelief. It's not that God can't do miracles. But He responds to faith. And when there is no faith, there is no power. To believe God. To believe what He says. To believe in the greatness of His power to those who believe. He said, well, I'm having a hard time believing God for these things right now. May God open and enlighten the eyes of our understanding. To understand what is the exceeding exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe. Chapter three Verse fourteen, same Ephesians three fourteen. Now for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, May be able to understand, here it is again, comprehend, understand, understanding being open. That you may be able to understand with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Who is he praying for here? Christians. That we who are in Christ may understand the great dimensions of his love for us. That we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Until we understand God's love for us, we can't be filled with the fullness of God. Everything that God has intended for us. Everything God wants us to be. There it is right there. Praying for the, for the church. Those who are in Christ. Us that we may understand the great massive dimensions of God's love for us through Christ. May God uh, uh, open our understanding. And He prays that we be strengthened with, with spiritual strength in our inner man, in our spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Be strengthened in our hearts. That we might know the love of Christ, which passes understanding. That we might know that God loves us. We know it. We experience it. We're walking in it. We are experiencing and seeing the love of Jesus for us. It starts at the cross, and it goes from there. We begin understanding the love of Jesus for us when when we come to the cross. And then it goes from there. That's why Paul says that the love of Jesus compels us. That we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly. Here's the word exceedingly again. You read about it in that last passage. Exceeding greatness of his power to those who believe. Now, to him who is he able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask in prayer, all that we ask or think, according to the power, uh oh, that works within us. What is the power that is at work in us? Is this, Are we believing God? Are we walking in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we walking in the Spirit? We, are we trusting God? Are we drawing close to God? Are we seeking the Lord? He's able to do more than we can pray for. More than we can even imagine, one version says. God is all-powerful. But how is it going to end up? It's according to what we believe. According to your faith, let it be done to you, Jesus says to different people. And it says, according to the power that's at work within us. Is the power that's at work within us according to our understanding, <coughs> worldly reasoning, logic, the carnal mind? Or is the power that's at work within us according to the Holy Spirit? According to the new man, the spiritual man, spiritually minded, what powers that work within us? We may say, well, sometimes I'm this way and sometimes I'm that way. That's the double-minded man who is unstable in all of their ways. You see that God wants to do something for us. To stabilize us, to mature us, to be men and women of faith that can stand up against all that hell can throw against them. Say, those storms are coming doesn't matter. My heart is established. My heart will not be moved. I shall not be moved. I'm putting my trust in Him. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. God's response to to us is according to the power that's at work within us. That's why Paul prayed to the church at Ephesus and that prayer should be for all of us here. Pray for one another in this. That God would open the eyes of our understanding to understand all these things that God has for us including the exceeding greatness of His power to us who believe in it. To us who put our faith in the power of God. Uh, and I'm late today, Brother Dave. And I'll let you comment on all this. and.